You know, it's so flashy to say, oh, I'm not just a graphic designer. I'm a creative director for Vogue or whatever, right? But at the end of the day, I don't think anyone has a tombstone that says, here lies Rachel Lee. <laughs> you know, designer extraordinaire of Vogue is like, no, this is Rachel. This is when she was born. This is when she died. Well, let's start this thing full. Hello, I'm Sam. And I'm Amelia. Welcome back to Ask the Duo podcast, a podcast where we aim to build better mindset for better relationships. Yeah, and on relationship this week, we're going to be talking about and honing in on why life is a journey and not a destination. Yes, and on journey and destination, we've brought in someone that you actually met in your journey, and that person is... Rachel Lee. Hello, hello. hello. I'm Rachel Lee. Nice <laughs> to meet you. <laughs> so the reason why I decided or we decided that you'd be a really good person to bring on is just we caught up recently just a few weeks ago and talking through our design journey because we met through Shillington when we were studying graphic design and that was really the last time that we caught up, right? Yeah, yeah. that sounds about right. Yeah, was it well, graduation, December 2016? Yeah. Long time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That is why. She remembered the exact date. Was it? Was it 2016? Yeah, it probably was. Just catching up and seeing where we both are now in our journey about six years later, I guess. And it's just very different. Both our journeys, just being in the same industry, but very different journeys and how we grew and learned through our careers. So I thought you'd be the best person to bring on to talk about this topic. Oh, thank you for having me, Sam yeah. and Amelia. <laughs> but before we get into it, let our listeners know what you're doing now. Well, my name is Rachel and I'm a graphic designer and I run my own design business called Paper and Desk where I do basically graphic design mostly focusing on publications. So that's things like magazines, annual reports and general graphic design, flyers, menus, social media tiles. Mm. That's what I do for my day-to-day. That's awesome. That's the thing that kind of caught my eyes. Like you managed to go from Rachel Lee to now Paper and Desk and yep. just now owning your own office as well. That's so exciting. Yep. Renting an office in the city. Damn. Yeah. Big smoke. Yeah. Nice. But I wanted to also just get back to before Shillington, what were you doing? Yeah, well, before Shillington, I was actually finishing up studying. I did actually a PhD in law. Damn. It was uh, it was a law and economics PhD, yeah. And it's funny because at the time, so my background is actually a bachelor in economics. I don't I don't I didn't have a law background. And with the law PhD, you have to write a lot and I didn't think I was a strong writer. So what I did was I did a writing internship at a, like a local publishing house at a magazine just so I can write better so someone doesn't fall asleep reading this big <laughs> thing I'm writing. That's awesome that you're like working on your weaknesses. Yeah. yeah. So I did that. And then um, what happened was I really enjoyed being in the, in the magazine environment. And when the then digital online manager left to find another job, she actually put my name into the publisher. And so I got in the role, basically managing the online websites and a bit of design. And when I did that design, I realized, oh, I really like designing. So that's when I decided to enroll in Shillington. So basically, I was on track to finishing a PhD in law. To write this PhD, I interned at a magazine, liked it, branched off into the design. Then once I graduated from the PhD, I just 
change careers completely. Yeah, that's awesome. But you still have that PhD, right? If you I still do. To. That's right. Like officially, I'm Dr. Lee, but <laughs> <laughs> but no one calls me that. Yeah. And um, it's yeah, it's really funny because when actually after Shillington, when I was applying for graphic design jobs, the moment I write, I have a PhD. No callbacks. Oh, I didn't get really? any interviews. Wow, really? Like, same resume, dropped the PhD and just said, oh, I studied graphic design and interview, interview, interview. Hell? That's yeah. interesting. That's I would so have weird. thought that having yeah. that PhD or whatever would have, you know, made you more interesting. Yeah, I think maybe they think something went wrong. So she went to design or, you know, maybe it's a hobby because she's got something else and she's mm-hmm. applying for design. So. Yeah. Maybe that thought, oh, we, you know, she's got a PhD. She's going to ask for a lot of money. Interesting. Don't hire her. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, that's like, isn't that like part discrimination? Because you're discriminating the, the applicant because they've got a PhD kind of thing. That's so strange. Wow. Mm. It could be like overqualified. Yeah. Like, they might be like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe this is your, you're just testing the waters. You're not that keen. Yeah. And I think maybe. I look younger than I was. To be like, oh, you must be a young, uh, no young twenty-year-old. And uh, oh, okay, we'll give you, a, we'll give you a yeah. chance. <laughs> so a little bit after graduating. So for me, I've previously also studied a bachelor degree as well. So mm. I did bachelor of business, studying majoring in marketing, and coming out of that was definitely daunting and it was just scary and just trying to find a job was really hard and that's how I also ended up in graphic design because I couldn't find anything I was like next best thing that could add to the skill could be graphic design so coming out of that again hard to find a job didn't know where to go so I wanted to see in your point of view after graduating what was that like and what was your mindset like just going into a fresh new world yeah I think um, mine was a bit different because I studied Shillington and I was as a part-time course while I was in the magazine. Mm. So I suppose I was already in a world that was immersed somewhat in what I wanted to do. So I think fresh out of Shillington, I thought, okay, I still have this job in the publishing house and I can be the designer there. But also I felt like, I thought when I looked around, mostly people after graduating from design school, the normal path would be to join a studio as a junior and then work your way up from there. So I guess I thought that would be my path, but it didn't because I had already something very convenient, which was that magazine job. Mm. But did you feel like you needed to go into a studio or anything? I think so. Like now uh, I haven't, I don't really have a lot of studio experience, but looking at you and what you know, (laughs) (laughs) I feel like maybe it would have benefited me if I had joined a studio just to learn the ropes. Because I feel like when you're a junior, you have a senior designer or another designer or art director or creative director who give you advice, you know, fix this, color doesn't fit right, font's wrong. But when you're the only designer, you've got to figure that stuff out on your own. And I I guess I didn't have a lot of guidance. The guidance I didn't have was just Googling and YouTubing, asking people. How did you feel at that time? Were you like really confident and like you just knew that you just had to keep working hard and that kind of thing? Like what were you feeling at the time? Uh... Like if I were to be honest, I've got my portfolio. So everyone in design school, they do a portfolio for them to graduate. And when I looked at other people's portfolio, I thought, hmm, yeah, uh, they're going to get the job, not me. I know so I think feeling. my mindset was more like, I wouldn't say it was a defeatist mindset, but I thought I looked at the hill. I'm like, I have a very steep hill to climb and other people don't have a hill as steep because they have some sort of design flair or some sort of talent already. So my mindset was like, you have this magazine job, be grateful, just stick with it. 
mm. until something else, you know, comes along. I know that feeling. I was exactly <laughs> the same. I saw so many people that did really amazing stuff and then I look at mine, I'm like, uh. <laughs> Yeah, it was like, um, please, someone desperate, please yeah, hire me. Yeah, and then like... <laughs> I felt like there was one, you know, our teachers, they were, you know, how they had to critique our portfolio items. And there was yep. one day, they were initially really excited about one of the things that I did. But then the way we had to expand on that brand, like the more I like expanded on it, the more you can see their like excitement just drop. And <laughs> I was like, oh crap, like I'm just not hitting the mark yep. here. This, yeah, sounds pretty daunting mm. in that field because you judged on your work, isn't it? Pretty much. Yeah. Like people make that assumption based on what you put out. But that's that's a part of design, you know, like you're there your work is there to be critiqued every single day, right? Yeah. It's like I think maybe in finance is different. It's like give me a home loan, crunch the numbers. Mm. It can be like it's not me, it's the numbers aren't right. It's not me. <laughs> yeah. It's the computer, it's the formula, maybe it's my assessment of your risk. But in design is like, you chose this purple. Yuck! Yeah. <laughs> it's your fault. You know? yeah, it's like, like the alignment here is just not right. But it's like you know, everyone has it's it's subjective what people yeah, see it's very in subjective. your work. Yeah, and you have to kind of justify yourself most of the time. Like if you yeah. want to sell your service or sell your design, you have to justify it, and yeah. that's the hard part. It sounds like it's like you've got to make those calculated recommendations mm. based on what the direction's going. But on that though. Are you a, a big believer in actually trusting the process or are you someone that's like more calculated? I think it's changed over time in the sense that I think so fresh out of graduation, right? Money is low because you, you just come out of being a student. I think to some degree it was calculated in the sense that I thought, okay, go after I do this magazine job, go and join as a junior designer, progressive graphic designer, senior designer, art director, creative director. And that way you can actually make a sustainable living as a creative. But then at the same time, it's like, you know, life isn't just about money at the end of the day. And some people have different journeys in the sense that, for example, I take inspiration from, I think she's a wedding dress designer or a designer in general, Vera Wang. I think mm. she started designing very late in life. And then she's very, she's well known now because of her designs. So for me, it was like, you know, don't think that you now can plan what the rest of your life is going to be. Just start somewhere. Everyone is on their own hill. I think I have this habit of comparing other people's journeys in the sense that if our journey is a book from A to Z, I'm fresh out of design school. I'm in chapter A and I think, oh dear, chapter A looks really ugly. I, I don't like all of these designs I've done. And I look at somebody else and they're on ch chapter J. So I'm comparing my chapter A to chapter J and thinking, I want to get to chapter J Right after I, you know, I graduate yeah. and that's not going to happen. So I think I've learned that no matter where you start, no matter how old you are, everyone is on a journey. Just, just know that you're here, just do what you can and then see what opens up. You don't know where, you, where you're going to go. You, all you can do is take the next step and then see what the next step brings and then you'll have another decision to make then. But until then, you're on the first step. Don't think about five steps ahead just yet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that's really good. Um, I'm the same. Like sometimes you... Uh, most of the part, most of the time, I don't really like compare myself to others, but I compare to kind of benchmark to see like where I need to go or whatever that. Yeah. But like as you kind of look at it, sometimes on like bad days, you're just like, oh crap! Like it get in back into that cycle. Like at first, when you're at the graduation, you're seeing everyone else's portfolio, and like 
their stuff is amazing. Yours is like just mediocre and you're just like on that cycle again. So I was a bit more like that, like calculated, like having a plan. But at the same time, having a plan, I tell myself that you don't have to be so stern on this plan. Like you can be more rigid. You can be more open. If things don't go according to plan and you have a different pathway open as you're embarking this journey, be okay to test out that new mm. path that just opened and see what happens. So that's like yeah. also a bit of how I trust the process. Yeah. I also feel like, for example, in school, right, you're great at A, B, C, D, E, F, whatever. Mm. You have a standard. You go, okay, I know the standard is I have to study more, get this. But in life, it's like there's no standard. And I, I always feel like I have to find this other standard and I fall into this trap of comparing myself. But, you know, it's it's not like school where everyone is graded on the same Criteria. grade sheet. Everyone is different. Yeah. so. I have this thing, like, I always um, keep this quote in my mind. Comparison is a thief of joy. Mm. I won't ever stop comparing, but if I keep comparing to a point where it's unhealthy, it's just very, yeah, I'm not going to enjoy my life. And so I think that comparison as a benchmark of like seeing where you may need to go, like if it's a very similar design style and you're like, okay, that's kind of like where I want to go, where I want to be, that's good. But when you're comparing yourself to the point that you're putting yourself down, yeah, I think that's, that's different. when it's unhealthy. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's when you have that um, that negative mindset and you're always thinking poorly and that's what brings you down. Yeah. Like in, in the finance industry, it's somewhat similar, although we don't have, like you mentioned before, it, like our work isn't compared amongst other peers. It's just you do what you need to do, but it's more so the, uh, the other perspective is more so the performance. So how fast can you get it done? That's what we always get performed or measured against. Yeah. So sometimes it's a little bit difficult when you're, I guess your peers are doing it much faster than you. And then there's that element of, okay, how fast are you doing it? But where's it that accurate? boundary of, is it accurate? Is it right for the customer? That's where that comes in. Mm. Yeah. So. But is there any form of like trusting the process in your kind of industry? Yeah. I mean, yes and no. I think it can be a combination of the both. You can make calculated risks depending on which direction you want to go. But at the same time, it's just trusting the process and actually being sitting in the trenches and doing your due diligence, do your work. And that's how you gain that experience, gain that knowledge. That's how you know where you really want to go to in the next point. You're just trying things out and seeing if you like it. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. And is there a certain point in any of your lives, like both of you, where you actually had to trust the process where you don't know where you're going, you don't know what's going to happen, but you're just like, okay, I'm just going to do it and just trust where life will take you? Yeah, I guess for me, it's like my design journey. I was having a chat to Amelia early on. Amelia has a lot of studio experience, whereas I don't. So I'm running my own business. And then because I don't have studio experience, it's hard for me to know where I'm going. But what I do know is that so far I've come this far from having just a cheap plastic desk, my computer in my bedroom Mm. to where I am today to um, having an office in the city. Something has worked well. I haven't planned it the way it has turned out, but if it's turned out this way, I just have to trust that whatever I'm doing now and I just have to keep continue doing what I'm doing and just maybe improve my systems and find out more about how other people are doing what they're doing. Um, Mm. I think that's where I'll find out later on that maybe I'll land where I always wanted to be, but I didn't realize at the time. Yeah. I think then, isn't there a saying, hindsight vision is twenty twenty, mm. Something like, basically, you only understand what happens to your past once you've lived it. Yeah. You look back. You won't yeah. know beforehand. So I think, It is true. Yeah. Trusted the process since I started, so I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah. 
So initially, what were your ideas of your design journey? Like, where did you think your path would be? Was it like a you know senior graphic design somewhere, or did you always want to start your own business? I actually never planned so much on starting my own business. It was that um, I think when I did the graphic design school, I thought in my head it said graduate junior graphic designer, graphic designer, senior graphic designer, art director, creative director, studio manager, or whatever it is. So I always thought that that was um, my path, but it obviously didn't turn out that way. I didn't have a lot of studio experience um, and I worked in different in-house roles. And it just so happened that some of the roles I had weren't giving me the creative spark that I needed. So that's how I started freelancing. I freelanced basically to do more graphic design stuff. And it was always meant to be a side project, but then somehow clients found me on Google and it picked up and it's grown into a life of its own that it could officially, I don't know, um, retire me from employment and just do that. Yeah, that's awesome. And I feel like even though everyone has like their own idea of the stereotypical ladder that you have to climb in your career and that may seem like the right path or like the stable path, but even though, like you say, like I have more studio experience or agency experience and you've gone like the freelance route and you've done some in-house, I don't think there's a right or wrong or who does it better or not because like in a way you're still doing something right. People are still coming to you for mm. you, right? So it's not like – it's like I, that's why I like this topic is because it's a journey and it's not a destination because there is no destination. Like my journey is how I've built to where I am and my skill set, but you've also got your own skill sets that – people love to come to you for Mm. so yeah so I think it's no right or wrong and it's all a part of the journey yeah that's right yeah I find that it's it's when you guys even though you guys studied the same thing came Mm. from the same design school it's really cool to see how you both have gone in your own directions and you've all you both basically learned different things even though it's the same type of work Mm. and it's just interesting that you've come back and you've spoken about like what your experiences are yeah. and it's like, holy crap, I didn't realize this, you've done this and you've done that. And I think that's, that's the cool thing about like everyone's individual yeah. like journeys. Mm. It's just everyone learns things differently through their experiences and whatnot and that's what makes it unique, you know what I mean? And that's how you both can learn from each other. Yeah. Yeah. Which is awesome. And that's also the thing that, because recently I've gone out to do a little bit more networking and it's the same thing. Like I talk to other designers and even their journey is completely different to ours. And it's just like the things that they do, how they do their work and their processes are also different. And you're just like, there really is no one way. Yeah. That's like me. I recently met up with one of my high school friends who I haven't seen for over 15 or so years. And just talking about his journey and where he started and his journey was crazy. Like he's done so many things. He's traveled the world like, and now he's an interior designer and he's done work for Hermes and all these big name brands. I'm like, what the hell? And when I knew him at school, I wouldn't have never thought he was that kind of person. Was he just like one of those cool guys? No, he was just a guy that just didn't like, just didn't care about school. Like you had no direction in school. Like it was the same thing with me. And to see him meet up with him after 15 years, this is like, holy shit, dude. He's achieved so much. Yeah. Yeah. But on that journey, right, like when you first start, obviously it's hard. And up until now when you have paper desk, what were the biggest or like the most challenging moments that you've had on this journey? And in terms of mindset or running the business? A bit of both, I guess. Okay. 
Um, I think on the mindset front, the hardest journey is knowing that there probably are going to be a lot of studios better than me, but there are also going to be a lot of studios not as good as me. (laughs) So I think um, just this mindset of, you know, you may not be the best, but you can always try to be better. So I think that was um, that was important to me. And from a business perspective, the hardest journey was finding out the importance of contracts. <laughs> I think because sometimes when you get a brief, you're brimming with ideas, you just want to start. And then you start and you realize, okay, this person hasn't signed the paperwork. You find it work over and uh, good luck, you're not going to get paid. So yeah. <laughs> that was the hardest thing I've had to learn. Just processes for the business side of things. Yeah. And yeah, from the mindset, just... Don't beat myself down too much just because I don't think I'm the best. Yeah. I think there's always, because everyone design, again, subjective, so that everyone has a different style. So a studio may have some amazing work, but it's like with a certain style that these Mm. type of clients would like. But then, you know, the clients that you have come to you for your style and the type of work that you do as well. And because you specialize in like publications and magazines and stuff and maybe a studio may not do that kind of stuff they might mm. just do branding work or websites or something like that so it's like they come to you for what you do as well yeah yeah I think some of the challenging most challenging times for me I think is the same thing because I did originally want to freelance and had mm, that yeah. person dreams of you know doing my own thing for myself eventually still haven't got that <laughs> oh I mean yeah. but you've done a bit of freelancing now and then yeah I do I, I do like sometimes every now and then but it's never gotten big for me personally never went big because I just never put the time into it to be honest because I was doing like full-time work at agencies which is already very full-on and then back then networking was really hard for me and the other thing that was hard for me as well which I still see today is clients to value your work so as soon as they come to you they're like oh I want this done like I love your work blah blah blah. and then you're like okay you're looking at this price like this price range you give that and then they never reply and you're Mm. like okay it goes to you yeah Mm. and like that's the hardest part is I find that a lot of people or a lot of businesses don't see value in design. They're like, oh, I can just do it on Canva. Oh, I yeah. can just get someone on Fiverr and do it for like 10 bucks. And you're like, yeah. pain in yeah, the ass. Yeah, but it's like, it's not unique and it's not customized to your business, right? Because you're yeah. just getting like a template that everyone has already. So the hard part is selling the value of why design is important. Mm. Yeah, it's also things like, can you, you know, can you reach your designer at a phone call? Is your designer available to make tweaks as and when you need it? I may be expensive, but I speak your language. I'm in your time zone. You have my phone number. You can reach me. Mm. You are paying a price for that convenience, but I think you know that that is worth the stress of otherwise having to chase. And also mm. paying the price of your knowledge too. Like you've yeah. got all these years under your belt that you know what you're doing and it's really actually is catered and tailored to what this business needs rather than just doing like, you know, a quick easy fix kind yeah, of thing. That's right. Did you find much success from selling that value proposition? I think for me, I haven't really had a chance to test it only because maybe it's the way I do my website. I have no idea, but it seems that the clients I tend to attract are willing to pay the money. Yeah. For it, as in they've been quite large organizations, public and private. And usually, um, I think it was only my earlier days where I had lower paying clients. But at the time, I was desperate just to get anything in my portfolio. So I said yes to pretty much every price. I think my first client, I spent five hours on a logo that I charged $20 for. Oh, wow. shit. Never again. Uh, yeah. <laughs> wow. But it was a very good learning experience because yeah. it taught me things like, okay, 
if you want to get it right the first time, you have to ask questions. You know, this is how you can give value to your clients and that sort of thing. Yeah. All part of the learning curve. Yeah. yeah. True, eh? Mm. Very expensive lesson. Yeah. Because yeah, it's somewhat relatable to finance because now I work at a bank, but previously I was a broker. So oh. it's always the same thing. It's a, it's a value proposition similar to you guys because you guys provide a service, right? Which obviously is catered to what the customer's needs and objectives are, which is similar to a broker or, or someone that's in the bank. But the, the problem is, is there's so many of us, yeah? So it's how do you sell your skill set that people value? Mm. Anyone can provide the same skill, but at the end of the day, it's the value is what you really sell. So I guess- that question there is is always like, oh, that value proposition, how do you approach that? What works for you uh, and what's different from you to 10,000 other people? I think that's, just, that's the question that I always ask myself from the finance perspective and it seems like you guys face the same thing. Yeah, it seems like there's some things that are like quite similar in terms of just trying to get yourself out there and people to value you across different industries. Yeah, I think that's why it's so important to network and to have your face out there too. Yeah. That exposure. Yeah. And just on challenges, what are some highs and some lows on working for yourself? Okay. I think um, (laughs) the highs is not having to wake up. (laughs) (laughs) Wake up on time to make sure I'm on time for a job. Yeah. I think that's a a big high. Just having control of time. Mm. Yeah. I think I was reading some finance books and it's like the whole point. Well, okay. No, no one really makes money for the sake of making money. You make money so you can buy stuff, but the really rich people, they make money so they can buy time to do whatever they want to do. So for me, it's like, no, I'm not a millionaire, but I have what they have, which is time working for myself. I get to wake up in an hour that I want to wake up to go into the office and do my thing. Mm-hmm. In terms of the lows, I think the lows is just running it, running the business by myself. The low is not having people to bounce ideas off on. I think that's what I really miss because I think to be a better designer, I need to be able to get feedback, not from clients, but also from other designers because I'm always designing in my own lane, but I know other designers have different eyes and they might be like, have you considered this angle of designing it or have you chosen a different color? That Yeah, I get a bit of that too. When I'm freelancing, sometimes you're like, oh, I'm going to want to ask the question like, this is right. And when you're looking at something for like 20 hours, you're yeah. like, nothing looks right here. Like you like move this to the left and oh no, that doesn't feel right. Move to the right. Oh no, that doesn't feel good. And you're just like, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. Yeah, and that's why you always ask me. Yeah. She comes into my room when he's, I'm working. He's my assistant. <laughs> yeah, that's what, it's good to have an assistant. Yeah. It's actually really good to have a non-design eye. It is actually. Because they can be like, oh, you do, what are you designing is very nice, but what's this big circle? And yeah. you go, oh, okay. Yeah, like I'm in, fix that. in mm. our eyes, we're like, oh, this looks fancy. And then you show it to someone who has no design experience. They're like, I didn't get this. You're like, okay, if he doesn't get this, then the general public won't get Correct, this. So yeah. you're like, okay, I need to change this up. So I'm you know, just like, ask, <laughs> well, just ask <laughs> random questions. So yeah, I think for me, what my highs and lows in terms of just a design career and even trying to freelance or something like that is the lows was just actually trying to get myself out of my comfort zone to actually network properly. So I did this lousy thing where I would go networking. This is like back then. I would go networking, but either it's like going with colleagues or with someone I know. And because I'm going with someone I know, I end up talking to them and I'm not actually talking to other people to get to know other people. So in my mind, I'm like, yeah, I went networking, but Mm. I didn't really do any networking. So I think I wasted my time there. So that was kind of like my low. 
but the highs again like it's the same thing as you you can just work on things whenever you want to work on it as long as it, yeah. it hits the deadlines and you get things done but you choose your own time yeah on networking um speaking from one very shy person to <laughs> i think is another shy person in networking find the person that's always by themselves because yeah. pretty much they're desperate to talk to somebody and then when you come, it's like, oh, okay, good. Two less lonely people in this room. So you pick on the, the individual person that's by Yeah, that's right. You're like, aha, you, I'm going to pick on you. <laughs> that's right. It's like, here, I will come and save your, uh, save your networking uh, event. Yeah, no, that is true. But I have tried to go in networking now. And like the thing I tell myself is I'm forcing myself to go by myself. Like there has been times where I'm like, oh, let's invite this person that I know to. Like, maybe they want to come along. But I'm like, no, I can't. I need to go by myself so that when I go by myself, I'm pushing myself out there to actually try and talk to other people and not fall back on someone that I know and then end up talking yeah. to them. Yeah, it's a, a good mindset to really push yourself out there because mm. you've got to be uncomfortable to be comfortable, yeah? Yeah, yeah. that's right, yeah. yeah. And I actually kind of enjoy it now. Like, I'm not too scared. I think it's just going networking is actually fun. It's just... Entering circles where they're already having a conversation and then you're going to be like, hi, I'm Amelia. Yeah, that's right. Can I join your circle? And then we're like, who the hell is this girl? So that was like what I used to be scared about. But like now I just do it anyway. I'm like, whatever. No, working is good. I think it's definitely beneficial because like you get to learn from other people. Yeah, that's right. I, um, in terms of networking events, I attend creative mornings. Mm. I didn't used to before, but I only started recently. Yeah, I used to get that. And it's good because it gets me out of bed, but also just just having to know like other people is also going through different struggles in the design world. But nice to know that somebody else, you're not suffering alone is what yeah. I'm saying. When you go to these events, you realize a lot of people are in the same position as you. But like on the outside, they, they look so confident. They look good. They're like so put together. And you're like, wow, I would not have thought that you're in this position. But yeah. it just shows like everyone is still on this journey as well. Yeah. Actually, there's one thing that I did want to discuss. So during our catch-up, like just talking on life journey, one of the things I said to you was I did want to eventually be a panel speaker, like in a sense of just sharing my journey and just help guide other people, even like mentor or something like that. And you were saying like there is some events where you can volunteer to, and I was like, oh, but I don't feel like my journey right now is interesting or I have anything to share. And you're like, you know, you may not think your journey is interesting, but there are definitely going to be other people out there that find yours inspiring. And that triggered a thought to me and I was telling you, Sam, it's like we tell our guests exactly the same thing. We're like, Mm. we love the purpose of this podcast is to help people share their journey, their experiences and we tell them that their story is inspiring and they say the same thing. They're like, no, nah, not really. Like, There's nothing special about us. So why do we think that when we have to apply this thought to ourselves, why do we struggle to tell ourselves that we have an interesting story or an inspiring story, but it's so easy to encourage other people? Like, why do we do this? Oh, I think that's a very deep question. Yeah, <laughs> it is. That's why. <laughs> so this oh. is my my best guess at it. I think um like sport or watching a TV show, it's always easy to spectate because you're not being judged. It's very easy to look at other people's life and go, oh, you know, um, you, have an, you have an exciting life or it's very easy to comment. But then it's very hard when people, sorry, when you look at your own life because you've only had your pair of eyes your whole life seeing yourself. It's like seeing, I heard it's like, it's like seeing your own child grow. You don't really see them change, but other people who haven't seen your child in a while goes, oh, you've grown so much, etc. 
So I feel like maybe in your journey, it's very hard because you've only ever seen your perspective. You've not seen other people's perspective. So it's very easy to comment on other people and go, oh, you know, you've had such a great journey, but mine's very boring. But the reverse is true for them. It's like, no, I've had a boring journey. You're the one that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true though, because... And exactly what you mentioned is you're only just seeing your own perception through your own eyes. So when other people hear about your journey, they go, holy crap, that's amazing. You're like, what? My, yeah. my shit's like crap. And they're like, nah, man, like, you know. And it's the same thing. Like I've, I've experienced the same thing, catching up with other people, talking about their journeys. And it's just like so interesting to hear other people's journey, even if it was such a basic from other people's perspective or even their own perspective. Mm. But it's just interesting to know what they went through, how they went through it. And you can sometimes, most cases, learn from their experiences too. I think what, so we had this guest, it's um, Sam's friend, Hal. So what he said is you got to take yourself out of the jar and read the label sometimes. Yeah. And oh, I that's think very good. that's yeah. a really good analogy. It's because you're just so immersed in your own life and just grinding, hustling, mm. and you don't, Sometimes you don't just don't stop and smell the roses, right? You just don't remember and appreciate how far you've come, and I think that's also why. And for me, partially, I also think it's just for from upbringing, like typically from my Asian upbringing, they tell you to be like humble, like you achieve something, mm. but you're not there to celebrate what you've achieved. It's just like, yeah. okay, cool, you've achieved it now. Like, where are we going now? Where do we move to next? And what's the next thing we have to do? And it's not like stopping and be like, okay, cool, you've achieved this. That's really awesome. Let's celebrate. It's just like, yep, that's good. Mm. Let's let's move on. Yeah. So it's always like that. And I think that's also why for us or just for me particularly, it's hard to acknowledge and be like, yeah, I do have an interesting journey. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I relate to that too because, I mean, I, I never really celebrated big stuff. It's just like, yeah, okay, cool, got it, sweet, yeah. what's next kind of thing. Cool, you got an A. It's not an A+. Plus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> B, you got B. Yeah. You're not, you're not Bijan. You're Asian. Yeah. Where, where, where's the A? You know? So funny, I love that, but it's so true though. Yeah. <laughs> oh my yeah. god! And then the one thing when I was asking you was there one thing that in your life that you saw or read or influenced you that changed your perception of life? You mentioned a book called what was it Five? Oh, the top five regrets of the dying. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then you said that it changed or helped you reevaluate your career. Yes, that's right. So this book, The Top Five Regrets of the Dying, was written by this uh, Aussie author called Bronnie Ware, who um, she wrote about the top deathbed regrets she heard during her time as a palliative carer. So the regrets of the top five regrets of the dying are: I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. Number two, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Number three, I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. Number four, I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. Number five, I wish I had let myself be happier. So for me, just reading that, it's like these are the lessons of people who are dying who wish they knew when they were younger. And right now, we are the younger people. We are the one that, that can apply these lessons to our lives. So when I read, especially, I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. I've always wanted to be a designer, but the reason I studied initially business and economics and law was because I thought that was what was expected of me, you know, do the whole lawyer, doctor um. path, make the money, be successful. But that's what others expected of me. But what I have always liked is design in some capacity. I thought it was interior design initially and then fashion 
but graphic design just seemed the most commercially viable for me. So that's what I went with. And the second regret, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. I think I'm constantly working hard, just working nonstop. And I think when, when, when you read that it's a regret of someone who's dying, it made me pause and go, okay, building a business is one thing. Being financially stable is another, but don't, you're not living to work. You're working to live. There's no mm. point working and not living. Yeah. Um, no point making money when you can't even use it, right? Yeah. Reminds me of this tattoo on a, on a lady I saw in Bunnings. In Bunnings. <laughs> in Bunnings. <laughs> yeah, she was a checkout chick in Bunnings. It was a massive tattoo on her wrist. It was in Latin. It was, okay, I'm butchering, butchering it, but it was like memento vivere, um, memento mori, which translates to remember that you're going to die. So remember to live. Mm. Uh, you know, so that's deep. Yeah. That's deep. Yeah. Like life isn't just about work. There's other parts of living. So I think that way, that framed the way I, I guess, ended up where I am now. I could be learning more and perhaps making more money if I went in a full-time job. But also at the same time, it's like, I can't live my life thinking only about my next paycheck. It's, you know, if I've got the basics and I'm happy with what I've got, why work all my life to make amount of money that I'm never going to spend before I die? Yeah. That's definitely something that, that has crossed my mind a lot within the last few years as well. Mm. You grow up, you go to school and you think that you're going to make money so that you're always going to pay bills, you're going to like mm. pay for your family and all that kind of stuff. But then you soon realize if you're just constantly working and just living paycheck to paycheck or just there for the paycheck and you're not happy, like you're not really living, like you're, you're here surviving, but you're not living, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So that's the same thing for me. Like I've thought about it the most recent years and I don't really care about making more money. Like as mm. long as I'm happy doing what I'm doing and I'm still being able to pay the bills and still doing what I want to do, I'd rather that than being unhappy and mm. getting all this money and potentially that stress might cause you to become sick later on in life and things like that and you still can't live your life, right? Yeah, like because I thought initially was, you know, work your way up and get in the status. You know, it's so flashy to say, oh, I'm not just a graphic designer. I'm a creative director for Vogue or whatever, right? But at the end of the day, I don't think anyone has a tombstone that says, here lies Rachel <laughs> Lee. <laughs> you know, designer extraordinaire of Vogue is like, no, this is Rachel. This is when she was born. This is when she died. Yeah. Status, I, I feel like status is only important when there's other people around. Like if you, like if you do a thought experiment, if you're the only person in the world who cares what you are? Yeah. You know, it's only when you have other people, then you start to feel like, oh, you know, I, I want the status. But status doesn't always pay the bills. Yeah. I really admire like some people who are, um, who are tradies, who are plumbers and electricians. They don't look like they're necessarily rich, but they provide for their family. They're happy. They have time. You know, that's, that's the life. Yeah. That's and I think that's life. also why mm. this topic is important like it's all about the journey and you learn all these things throughout your journey and if you keep focusing on just a destination you may not even be happy yeah and you right. may not even be where you want to be in the end right yeah that that um that book sounds a bit morbid but it, it's the truth though hey yeah, yeah. and it's sad at the same time because you know the, these are the the book is basically written from people who have you know essentially like dying yeah mm. and they regret all these things which and we're just learning from what they've learned. Yeah. But I think because we're so ingrained in our day-to-day -day lives, as we were saying before, and it's just like we don't realize that all these things that are happening, mm. we're just taking for granted sometimes. Yeah. Which is crazy. But what was one of the most things that you have been told that has stuck to you to this day? 
Oh, for me, it's from my uni supervisor that I met the second year of uni, um, who then later became my PhD supervisor and is still a very good friend of mine to today. That's awesome. At the time, I was um, I was doing some research for him in corporate insolvency. And so I was, as a second year student, you know, you're working hard, you think, okay, I have to get this degree and work, 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 work. And he was saying, Rachel, remember, you have to have fun. And I thought, oh, that's funny. Because I thought like, okay, uni students have fun. What do you mean? But this at the time, <laughs> <laughs> this, is, um, this is a uni professor who was, I think at the time, maybe around 50 or so. He's saying, yeah, like there will always be work, Rachel. Remember, you got to have fun. And I thought it's so funny because this is a guy that's giving me work, but also telling me from the very beginning, have fun, have fun, have fun. And I think that stuck to me because my autopilot mode is work because that's just what we do, right? We work so we can pay the bills. But um, yeah, it's always at the back of my mind, have fun. And I think reading all these different stuff, like the top five regrets of the dying, um, it just reinforces that, yeah, life is short. Make sure you actually enjoy the journey because your destination is the grave, really. I mean, you know, really enjoy the journey while you're on the way there. Yeah. Yeah. Not to be so morbid. Nah, that's that's really good. Yeah. Some really good stuff. Nah, but the best one is the Bunnings quote. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. Big How the hell do you spot that? Like, were you just you're like, oh, shit, that tattoo. I think like, uh, it's more that how do you miss a massive thing on someone's arm? Because, you know, like, it, yeah. the that chicken, massive. Oh, it was big, I'd say. But do um, you, you know, you understand Latin? No, I don't actually ask her. But, oh. you know, it was a size 36 font. Her design speaks. Size 36 yeah. font. <laughs> Size three six four, serif. You're very clear oh, wow. on a on a on a skinny arm. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. One thing actually, I wanted to also ask from what I know and what I gathered from knowing you. You're to me, you're a very confident person, very out there, like willing to explore, willing to just do something. Like if it's fun, you're like, yeah, let's do it. Were you always like that, or is it something that you had to build over time? Oh, definitely something that I have to build over time. Like I've, uh, for me, I've always been a shy person. Even though when I tell my friends, they're like, "Rachel, you're, you're not shy. Tell. You're actually an extrovert." And I said, "No, really." Mm-hmm. I said, "Okay, maybe I've got it wrong." But <laughs> <laughs> I need to check the dictionary. Yeah. <laughs> but um, for me, it was I've always seen myself as slightly awkward. Maybe it's because creative spark. We see we see things differently. But when I remember that everybody else also thinks they're strange, then you're normal. Mm. you're normal you're you're a normal (laughs) strange person because everybody is also strange in their own way and I think just knowing that I'm not like an outcast made it easier to just be like just be yourself because look you think you're strange yes there'll be people less strange than you but there will also be people more strange than you so Mm. it's it's, it's okay I love that though because Mm. yeah you can definitely tell that you're very comfortable being in your own skin oh really yeah thank you well I think so anyway (laughs) No, that's really interesting to know because, yeah, I I always say this. Like, when I was young, I don't think I was shy. Like, I, there was a moment where I would always just do whatever I wanted to do. But I think mm. over time, people were like, oh, why are you so weird? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? Then you start to, like, you go, close I'm weird. down. Oh, my God, I'm weird. Yeah, you're like, okay, I'll just act <laughs> normal then. But then you, you're just, like, you're not being yourself then. You're just trying to be what other people want you to be or what society wants a normal person to be, right? So now, like, when people are like, you're weird, I'm like, yeah, I am weird. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> so I think it's just good that you found yourself and just are capable of just being yourself and being confident in who you are. That's a very cool observation. Yeah. <laughs> someone, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's always nice to hear from yeah. someone that's not me. But this is what makes us creative, right? We need that weird creative mind. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's what makes you you, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's right. That's, that's what's unique. Mm. I think that's really important. 
I also feel like um, the happy couples are the ones who can do weird stuff together. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, you can appreciate each other's weirdness. That is true. You find my other, you know, you find your weird person to yeah. be weird with. The yes. compatible, <laughs> compatible weirdness. <laughs> <laughs> to wrap things up, for the people out there who are embarking on a journey or is on a journey where they're unsure where they're going and can't really quite find the direction, say, for example, fitness journey, and they're like, I'm not getting to where I want to be or design journey, just like if they're feeling a bit lost, what are some things that you would like to share that help these people, inspire them to be like, you're not alone? Right. Uh, well, another deep question. <laughs> I think for me is, you know, the standard trust, the process, because um, you, you can always plan and plan and plan. But a lot of things can happen that will be completely out of your control. Like no one predicted COVID, right? I'm sure there are some people who predicted COVID. I just don't know them personally. (laughs) But, you know, it knocks you out and all you can do is just trust the process, do what you can. If you're looking 10 steps ahead, the most important thing you can do is put one foot in front of the other. That's the best you can do. Just do your best. Advice number two is if you compare, be prepared to be not happy. There will always be people better than you. Yes, that's true. But there will also be people who are will be very jealous of where you are so i think yeah try not to compare yourself to the point where it puts you in a depressive spiral and number three is i'll echo what my uni supervisor said which is have fun like at the end of the day you're going to die make sure you have fun along your way and yeah like life is serious sure you have to work to put food on the table but money isn't everything don't live to work work to live there's a really good so an add-on to that though, there's heaps of people that I've spoken to who have basically gone through the same same or similar journey where similar to you where they've gotten PhD or they've studied in a particular degree and they're like, I don't know if this is it. I guess what what's that advice from you where you've essentially transitioned from being a PhD economics and law to yeah. Doctor. <laughs> Dr. Lee. Dr. Lee to Ms. Lee. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I, like for an example, me, I was a similar thing. I studied oh, wow. three years in marketing, almost graduated, and then I just said no and I left it. And you did IT and I then did, you're like, no. Nah. Yeah, I did IT for a year, then I said no. Then I did pharmacy for a year and I said no. And I was about to do optometry and I was like, no. Nah. And I completely stopped studying from there. So I guess from that perspective, what's something that you would say to that person if they were to ask you, hey, what, what do I do if I don't think this is it? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, speaking as a non-career advisor, <laughs> <laughs> I think you only fail when you give up. If you, if you don't give up, you know, you keep trying. Like eventually, like you had all these different areas of study and now you are today working in finance, but I'm sure something that you study in the past helps inform you. Like, you know, if you have to do finance for an optometrist, you know, like, oh, I've been there, I've done the glasses thing. So I kind of know what you're after maybe in a house. And I, I remember one time I catch up now and then with a friend of mine. So we studied economics together. So he is a brilliant student in, um, we had our honors in economics together. Damn. And then so I graduated a bunch of honors in economics cohort. And these people make a lot of money. I'm talking about like minimum, a quarter of a million bucks. That's minimum. This is is a lot of money, right? This is is money. This is money making people. And we we caught up. And at the time I was just, you know, fresh, like a design student. And I was working at a uniform company as a graphic designer. And it's like a factory making clothes. So I'll be like, look at you. You've made it. You know, you've made all this money. You're climbing the ladder. But he says, no, look at you. You had the courage to go follow what you want to do. Like, you know, I may not be making a quarter of a million bucks yet. I like to add yet. (laughs) (laughs) 
But at the same time, it's like, go you, you, you did something different. You had the courage to break the mold and not chase money and do what you want to do. Mm. So I think, yeah, the way I see it is like, if you always think you're a failure, it's like, you're not, life is just throwing you different roads to pivot. You go, okay, it ends here. I'm going to find another new road. And I think, yeah, eventually trust the process. You'll find some way out. And I think it's also just evaluating why you didn't like something or what did you like out of that thing and then trying to find new pathway or new direction that is closer to some of the things that you liked from out of all those things that you studied. What did you like about it? Is it because I like talking to people and getting to know them and then like what are some jobs or directions that I can do to, you know, talk to more people and get to know them and then just trying that out? Because like what you said, you only fail when you stop, right, if you don't try. And it's like just putting that foot forward into trying something that's a little bit closer to what you feel like is aligned to what you like. Mm. Damn, that's, that's deep. Yeah. Thank you. Many, many <laughs> deep right. talks here. <laughs> but I'm going to end it with this quote that I found, and it's, life is not a race but a journey to be savoured each step of the way. Damn. Oh, beautiful. Damn. Very nice. <laughs> Wonderful. Mic I should get drop. a tattoo on the other. <laughs> In Latin. In Latin. Blah, 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 blah. Boring. So yeah. In the same font as well. Yeah, that's right. Size 36 font. Size 36, some sort of serif font. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that comes to the end of our conversation. And thank you so much, Rachel, for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, but before we let you go, was there anything that you wanted to plug or share so people can find you or get some marketing collaterals done socials Uh, i'm not very active on the instagrams or the (laughs) facebooks but you can find me on linkedin Uh, i think if you just search paper and desk you'll find me otherwise my website is paperanddesk.com nice yeah so if you're looking for designs or anything marketing or like publications magazines if you're after a magazine designer find me yeah (laughs) (laughs) she's a girl and yeah hopefully you've learned something from this Life is a journey and not a destination. And if you're feeling lost, I'm sure we're all here lost with you. (laughs) Just trust the process. Yeah, trust the process and just take one step at a time. Thank you, guys. And we'll see you in the next one. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us and tuning in to this episode. If you're loving this podcast, please hit the follow or subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening to. Ding, ding. It would mean the world to us if you could give us a star rating and feedback so we can continue to improve on bringing better content to you. Yeah, yeah. If you found this episode helpful in any way or you know someone who'd need this, please share it with them as we're all about helping each other out. Don't forget we love listening to your ideas too. So make sure you share any topics that you'd like us to cover or questions you might have to our Instagram with the handle Ask the Joy Podcast. Slide it into our DMs, baby. Pika pika. You can stay in the loop of all the behind the scenes or the release of our new episodes there too. All right, that's it for now. And we'll see you back here for our next episode. Bye. Bye.